good morning, church. So good to see you guys. You know, Pastor Casey, did, I think I heard you say that principal over there is from uh, the Florida, Alabama area. I need to get to know him because that's my people. I'm Pensacola, Florida. I, I'm going to go over there and meet them uh, right after this. We'll have a lot in common, I'm sure. All right, last year I decided uh, to do a series on vision, and it was four weeks through the month of July last year. And um, what I committed to at that time was every year I'm going to dedicate one Sunday in that time of the year and uh, to, to tap into and update and continue a journey in that vision. But it's just one Sunday this year, and I just wanted to take this Sunday to, to sort of update you on where we are, where the Lord's leading us, things that we've accomplished since the vision series, and uh, just kind of tie us back into that and let the Lord just kind of journey us each year. And we're going to do it through this one Sunday. So if you're a guest, uh, this is a little bit different Sunday. Not everything up until this point. It's all been pretty normal, right? Awesome normal. Uh, but today in the sermon, it's going to be a little bit different because we're talking a little bit of family business. So consider yourself having to drop in with a little bit of uh, family talk today. But, to, but next week, we will get back to normal. We're actually going to kickstart a series titled Back at It. We're going to start that next week. Parents and students, I know that you're feeling it. Summer is over. Mm. The season of casting off restraint, letting life be filled with recreation and relaxation and all sorts of other things. Let's just go ahead and have a good cry. While the empty nesters in the room laugh at us because their freedom has just begun. Okay. Have you ever felt like um, you've blown your opportunity with God? You can have that as a Christian. You can feel as though you may have blown it and you've lost something. Um, maybe, maybe you feel like you have been in a season of limbo, spiritual limbo. In other words, like you don't know where you kind of stand. Maybe you've gotten distracted in life. Maybe you took a little detour. Whatever has happened, something's happened in your life. Or maybe just you just got distracted. You got consumed with something other than Christ, your walk with him. You, you kind of got off a little bit. Well, we're going to do two-week focus on what the Bible teaches us about getting back at it with the Lord being um, reinvited by Christ back into the work, back into a relationship with him, back into it. Because I know we have all kinds of reasons the last few years for anybody to be distracted and overwhelmed with other things. And I think it's time for us to talk specifically and maybe even hear the Lord by his spirit, maybe even invite us personally back into something maybe that we steered away from. And uh, he's gracious like that, and he's good like that, and I feel like that's what he wants to do over the next two weeks. So come back next week, bring a friend. You know someone that maybe has taken a little detour, maybe someone uh, that feels like maybe they've blown it or, or whatever. Um, next week would be a great week uh, to bring them. So come back and, and bring that friend, okay? Let's pray, and I'll, we'll jump into this week. Father, we just commit this time to you, and we give you praise and glory for life change. Lord, there is no one that can get a person to accept you, follow in baptism, and grow in you other than you. These are indications that you are at work in the hearts of people, and we thank you. Um, and Lord, we give you praise this morning, and we dedicate this time, Lord, um, 
We are so consumed often with the vertical life. We live vertically every day, all day. And Lord, thank you that we have uh, set aside sort of parentheses of life to turn our hearts and our minds vertical. And our attention is on you. And Lord, we ask that you would speak by your spirit today. Lord, that you would speak to us as a church family. Uh, Lord, as I convey a sense of, of what I feel like you're saying to us, uh, let it connect with the hearts in the room. And I pray that we would all just sort of come into it together and seek your face and seek your will and then uh, just join you in your work. So show us where you're working and, 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 sh and show us where to join in and use us for your glory. We pray that today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I read a uh, sociological study that was done involving um, about 50 people who are over the age of 95 years old. And the survey was simple. It asked really one question, and they got lots of types of, lots of answers to this one question. But the question was, if you had your life to live all over again, what would you do differently? Um, you ever been asked that? Uh, what would you do different in certain seasons of your life? Well, that's a tough question to ask sometimes. But they took the time and they answered it with a lot of answers. And the people who were doing the study basically took all of the answers and began to categorize them to get a sense of where the heartbeat was for people over the age of 95. And they boiled it down. The conclusion to this sociological study was they, they really had a sense of drive in three particular areas with three statements. And this was the conclusion to the study. And these were the statements. Number one... They would risk more. Um, in other words, maybe they would live less, a little less so concerned about safety and comfort. And maybe they would just maybe risk it a little bit more um, in their life. You know, sometimes safety and comfort can starve us of life, right? Um, as Mel Gibson quoted William Wallace in Braveheart. Y'all heard the accent? Yes, you did. And you're not Scottish. Uh, you're Australian. Uh, but I did it. It was great. Um, however, did y'all know Bannockburn is mentioned in Braveheart? I'm going to inspire you today. We've had that much impact in personal. Anyway, anyway so uh, well, Mel Gibson quotes that quote, every man dies, but not every man really lives. You see, sometimes you've you, you got to take risks. You've got you to live unsafe in a sense um, if you really want to live. Um, Mark Batterson in his book, Win the Day, says, we need to quit living our lives for the main goal of arriving safely at death. You feel that? That hit me. I love that. That is so true and like morbidly painful at the same time. There's something there. Risk more is what they said. Secondly, reflect more is the other statement that was said. Instead of just coasting through life and letting life happen to you, what if you really thought through wisdom and lived your life on purpose and seek to have the wisdom to give you the guidance to how to live on purpose? I, th I think I hear that in their statement. But then thirdly, this is the one that hits me for this morning, do more things that live on after you die. We all want to be a part of something that lives on after we're long gone. Amen. And if, you, if you're not, you're missing out. You're missing out on what life is really all about. And if you walk with Christ, you better believe 
that he's going to call you to a life of risk-taking for him and with him. He's going to call you to that. He's going to call you to a life of reflection and seeking his wisdom and to know things that perhaps, perhaps previously you couldn't know. But he reveals them to you and you walk in these things and you walk in them for purpose and meaning in your life, for the reason for which you were born. And then reverberating impact. Yeah, I need another R, right? Something like that. Reverberating impact. Um, that he's going to lead you to live your life in a way that it will, your life will live on supernaturally for the kingdom and the ripple effects of your life will go on and on and on and on all the way into eternity. And he calls us into that. Bannockburn turns 50 years old next May. The church was planted right here on this campus in 1973. And I can confidently say that was before I was even born. Someone in the church that day recorded a statement for the newspaper, and I want to read that statement to you because it, if you really think about this statement, it captures the heart of what happened and the heart of these people on that day. And so let's listen. What was God doing right here? It says this, on Sunday, May 27, 1973, a group of 137 people, listen, responded to God's challenge. They they viewed this as God's calling and challenge to them to respond to him and doing this. To form a new church with a mission of reaching and ministering to people in far south Austin. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, Susan and Steve, dirt road out here, am I right? It was a dirt road. There was maybe uh, horse pastures is what I understand. Some of y'all, there may be a few people who were a part of this 137. If you were here, raise your hand. Anybody here that were part of this 137? We do. Amen. Still with us. Sorry, I didn't finish the statement. In the newspaper it says, this group first met at Crockett High School and then Sunset Valley Elementary School. And, and you know the thing that just just comes through this to me, is that we, you and I, that they know nothing about at the time, they don't know anything about us or anybody else that's coming after them. These 137 people that we get to benefit from, their risk, their sacrifice, their commitments, the things that they laid it down for, you and I enjoy. Is that not Christianity? That we enjoy the benefits of someone who laid it down for us at the cross. And then you know what? We get our turn. We get our turn to lay it down for people we don't know. That is what we should continue in. One of my major roles as pastors is to make sure to, that we continuously think about the gospel ministry that way. It's our turn to the, in the joy of laying it down for a generation that is not even here yet perhaps. People that don't even live here yet. People that are going to be ministered to in 50 years. And the ripple effects of our life, our commitment, will live on long after we're gone. Perhaps we're gone. And they will be the beneficiaries of our sacrifice. Amen and amen. That's the spirit of a Christian. Last year I began to sense the Lord moving me to speak to you about some key initiatives for us as a church to focus on as we cross this 50-year mark. That we are staying in that spirit. 
Because 50-year-old churches everywhere are just simply enjoying the sacrifice of other people. And they're not continuing in the spirit of sacrifice. I felt the urgency that we have a city that is changing and growing rapidly around us. Amen. Traffic, right? I mean, stuff, this is no longer a horse field and dirt road. This city is growing rapidly and changing all around us. And I felt the urgency from the Lord to just say, how do we position ourselves, Lord, for gospel opportunities in this new, rapidly growing and changing city and not miss out on the gospel opportunities that are right around us? So I spent the time thinking and praying through these things with the Lord and senses began to just sort of bubble up in my heart and I began to say, how do I communicate these feelings and these senses so that the people of God can hear it and then we can all sort of connect about what's you in it, right? And I hope that's what happens this morning. And so last July I preached, I I framed that as best I could, four weeks, and I preached the entire month of July, I laid out these initiatives, and if you missed that series, I'm going to highlight some of them today really quickly. And um, to your great delight. But if you missed the series, you can actually click right here and you can go back and watch, listen, all four weeks. And I encourage you to do that because I give you depth of the why of each four of these things and the why I'm leading you in this way. So I would encourage you to go do that. If we could just leave that up for just a second if they want to do the QR code. Um, But what do I mean by vision? Vision Sunday, I'm I'm, I'm laying out what I believe is a vision that the Lord is leading us to. well, I'm not talking about mission. Those things, those things can get very confused. Mission and vision and what's the difference between the two. And some of them get this way and some of them get that. You can get really confused in that. So let me just clarify the air of what I mean by it to help us. Um, when it comes to mission, that is something that never changes for a, any local church. Any local church. And the reason our mission will never change change is because Jesus gave us our mission, okay? We, we don't have to come up with a mission. He handed down his mission to us, and he's our Lord, and this is what he has given us to do. And Matthew 28 is called the Great Commission, and this is the thing Jesus said for us to do. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, which has happened right here this morning, 2,000 years later, still happening, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, Jesus says, do this, church, together, See people come to Christ, baptize them, let them join the fellowship either in the teaching ministry and learn what it looks like to obey Jesus in everyday life through the culture of the church and transformation happens and all those sort of things. Keep doing this and I'll be with you in it and I'll bless it and I'll empower it all the way to the time when it ends. And what is that? Jesus returns and guess what? Mission day over. It's done. But this is what we're doing now. This is what we do now, and that's our mission. And so the, the mission statement for Bannockburn is actually really simple. It's, it's what Jesus said. We exist to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And everything we do wraps around four statements, and those four statements are just coming straight from the Great Commission. So this is what we do. We don't have to make this up. This is something that we operate in all the time. 
And we make sure as leaders in this church that we are actually seeing these things happen and that we're equipping the church to actually do these things, always, and making sure that this is what we are about. So this is why we're here in South Austin and Dripping Springs and now Buta Kyle. Mission is asking, what is God's will? And God's will for us is that. Right now, it's all about the redemption of Gentiles in the world through the gospel ministry, then being transformed and used, and that ripple effect continuing on even in our day. That's the mission. Vision comes under that umbrella as an individual church, and we ask, what is the will of God for Bannockburn specifically in accomplishing this mission where we are right now? What's happening around us, Lord? What are the, who are the people in our community? Um, what's happening in our church? Who are we? How could you use us specifically in our context for this mission that you have for us? That, to me, is where vision comes in. And we talk a little bit about what this means for us. And if you want a vision for your life, you'll follow these same patterns. You'll ask the Lord, I will submit to your mission. Now, what does that look like through my individual life? And let him lead you. He'll give you a vision for your life. But he'll also give us a vision for our church. We're going to commit to your mission, Lord. Now what does that mean through us collectively as a whole, a church body in this area? And the word that kept coming to my heart as I pursued this is invest. Invest. Invest is different than give. Invest means that I see I want to make more. I want to increase. And so I give what I have. I plant it like a seed so that I'll have more later or something more later. I invest something so that I'll have more later. This is how we are to think. And we are to think as Christians this very way. Jesus says we need to think about ourselves as investors in eternity in the midst of us being kingdom-minded people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for wherever your treasure is there your heart will be also and we're not talking about just just money we're talking about the way we're to think as christians is i'm an investor god has given me what I have, my very life, he's given me resources, he's given the ability to make money, the ability to have relationships, a certain family, certain context. What do I have and how do I put that in the ground and bury it so that, I'll re so that my life will reap a harvest for the kingdom? How do I invest what I have for kingdom's sake, the ripple effects of my life living long after me? This is the idea of a Christian. And Jesus says, invest in the kingdom. Not only will it cause eternal ripple effects that will never stop because he's in charge of them, but you're living for purpose and meaning, and it's what you were made to do. And so we never, ever stop being investors. We never, ever stop thinking about the risks that it takes that the Lord is leading us to. Guess what? He will lead you to risk. The 137 people in, in, in 1973 had to take a risk. There's a lot of property. There's a lot of buildings to be built. There's a lot of investment, uh, financial investment that you and I enjoy this day. They had to take risks. I shared four vision investments that I believe are like sort of faith steps for us as a church that we need to engage in and move forward with and take steps with the Lord in. And I believe as we do, he will pour out a blessing upon these things as we do these things. And so I share these four vision investments. You can go back to the series and get the details of all four. But today I want to give you an update on where we are in meeting those four initiatives. I'm going to start with number four that I gave you last year and then work to number one because four and three I can go a lot quicker. Um, 
and then we can get to back to two and one. Number four, the initiative is invest in planting three churches in the next three years in North American cities where the gospel is needed most. I lay out the philosophy of why we should be committed to that and that we are committed to that. We're in year two of planting La Chapelle Church in Quebec, which is a French-speaking church and a French-speaking, a very, very needed area for the gospel right now. Anaheim, we are a part of a partner plant called Echo Church in Anaheim, California, another very difficult area for gospel ministry, and it's making roots in Anaheim. I talked to him while I was at the SBC in Anaheim just a few months ago. Things are progressing really well. We are in year two of these commitments, and then, y'all know we planted a church in, in Boston um, with Stephen Sargent. That church is 400 strong, 500 strong, like boom. Well, guess what? They're moving on to new plants in the area, and we're partnering with those plants, two actually, two other plants that they're working on. We are in year two of that three-year commitment. Everything is on track, except we need to send teams from our church to these plants and assist them and come alongside them and help them do VBSs for their community and all kinds of things. And we will kick that up this year because it's the first year we're able to do it, okay, and able to travel. So be looking for that as well, and I'll give you more information later this fall on where those partnerships are, and even our worldwide partnerships as well. Number three was, coming back, that was number four, this is number three, invest in positioning Bannockburn as a haven of hope and healing for the hurting. Our society is facing ever-increasing anxiety, depression, mental illness, you name it. It's, it's been up and to the right for 25 years, as long as I've been looking at it. It's always been up and to the right. Some, some are more steep, but it's always up and to the right. Our culture is facing that. Why? Very quickly, we live in an increasingly atheistic nation. There's no meaning and purpose for their life foundationally. They have no foundation for meaning and purpose. Other, it's a transient culture. Most of our relationships are not neighborhood. Most of our relationships are work-related. Therefore, it's superficial. It goes, you, you change jobs, you change relationships. And most of our, we have high connection with, with, um, with social media. We have very little belonging. And so we're lonely. So not only do we have not meaning and purpose, we're also lonely in a sense, a lonely that we can't satisfy. And the other thing that we have on top of that is technology and these devices. I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're wrong. I think they're great in a lot of ways. But I am saying we don't know the effects they're having on our brain. We still don't know. The same way we didn't know how smoking would affect the lungs for a long time until the damage was done, we don't know how these devices are affecting our brain. So we need to be careful. We're going to make the adjustment eventually, because we don't, but we don't know how it's affecting us right now. And I believe it's affecting us in negative ways, and we will learn in process how to fix it. But... Not to say it's a bad thing, just to say that I think that we're in process. Well, all of those things coming together, we're going to see this happening more in our country. I didn't bring you here to depress you this morning. But I'm just saying our society is getting colder and colder in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways that are core to a human being. You need things in your soul that satisfy you. And that we're lacking that in our culture. So it's getting colder and colder out there. Well, guess what the church is experts in? Meaning and purpose, we got a God and a gospel. He is in control. We can give you meaning and purpose. We have the gospel, uh, the power of God. And then you also, we have a sense of belonging. We have a family of God that transcends even human relationships. That we have a spiritual family that gives us a sense of great, deep belonging. And all of us is throwing out the devices, so we don't have to worry about that. I'm just kidding. We're not, we're not getting rid of the devices, so. 
But here's what I'm saying. The church is positioned like a warm campfire in a very cold environment. And that's a beautiful place to be. We need to be prepared of what we can provide society. There are going to be people who are hungering for things that the church only can meet because we only have the resources to do that. So how do we prepare ourselves to be able to help hurting people in our society get healing? Biblical counseling. And it's the biblical counseling narrative that we need everybody trained in our church because it's going to get worse. And we need to be ready to harvest people and help people who are hurting, who are seeking. And they will come here doing that. So we got 101 to 401 training levels. 101 is basics for every member. And by the way, this is the only one that we're saying everybody should be trained in. We're not saying that everybody should be trained all the way to 401. 101 is the one we want all members trained in. It's the basics of biblical counseling. It gives you some sense of being able to help a person, okay? Help a person who's hurting as they come into the church. And you may have people in your life, and you know how to handle those situations. 101 will help you with that. 201 is for our lay leadership in the church, life group leaders, deacons, and others who are lay leaders in our church. They need to be a little bit more trained and a little bit more astute in the issues and know how to navigate those a little bit well. 301, if you want to be a lay counselor on one of our campuses in the future, you need to go through 301. And then 401 is we're going to move you on a track to more of a professional certified. I'm talking fast because it's noon. Sorry. 401 is moving you more toward a professional um, place and getting you certified to be a professional counselor. And then we're, we are looking to establish a Bannockburn Counseling Center that will be a professional counseling. And so what? The church will be the place our society can come for hope and healing for anything they struggle with. We prepare ourselves to be able to meet these needs in our culture and meet them with the gospel through counseling, which is, by the way, discipleship. And we all play a role in discipleship. This past year, we had close to 200 people in our church close, uh, finish the 101 training. We had almost uh, 50 finish the 201, and the 201 is a little bit more robust and, and long, but we had about 50. So we've made great progress there. We are going to make 101 digital, so it's not just a one-time event. You can actually do it on your own, and we can train every member that way, and we think that's how we can get it done. Um, there, we're going to do our first 301 this year, probably in February. And then we are still on track to, to try and, and get a, a Bannockburn Biblical Counseling Center established by 2025, which is our goal. So we're on our way. We're growing and we're learning as we go. We're developing it, so stay with us. Um, but that's where we are in that. Number two initiative is invest in a multi-site expansion in Buda Kyle. Amen. I've asked Pastor Harley to come up. Sorry I'm asking you afternoon, but, um, but he's going to come up and just and share a few words, and, and uh, I just want to hear his accent. But uh, September 25th is a big day. Our church is going to actually do this together. It started last year, started a year and a half ago, um, but September 25th we're going to get started. I've asked Pastor Harley to come up and just give us a little update. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just going to use your stand here. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. It is an exciting moment we're at. Um, as Key asked me to come up and share this morning, the word that came to my mind um, was journey. And I believe that when you're on a journey, there typically are significant moments. And I believe that today, August 14th, is a significant moment for us because this is our last Sunday here for those of us who have been gathering here 
and are going to this Butakal campus. Now, we have some people down there that are going to meet us and, and join in the work, but many of us have been here, and this has been an awesome place to be. Like, this is a safe place. This has been a place of growth and warmth and friendship and fellowship, all that stuff. And so to step out of that is a step of discomfort and risk. Um, it's a step from the known into the somewhat unknown. And I say all of that because I really want to acknowledge for some that are going with us, this is a significant day. They've, uh, I mean, I've been around for a few months and I love this church, but some people who are going with us have been here for years. And so today is a hard day, but a good day. And so I, I say that, and I also don't want it to just sound like uh, it's scary and daunting because there actually are some really encouraging things at play here. Um, and I want to give you some updates to that end. Uh, one of the encouraging things that's going on is we finally have a place where we're going to be gathering on Sundays, and that is at Evo Entertainment in Kyle. And so we've been looking for ages for a place that we can gather on Sundays, and we finally have this place locked in. It's a very public space, which I think is a great thing, and we're going to be there worshiping Jesus and pointing people towards Him there. So that's encouraging. A second encouraging thing is we have some equipment which is being finalized and sent our way, which is going to enable us to be a mobile church, because that's what we're signing up for. Uh, whether we're at Evo or if, even if we move somewhere else, we're ready. We have these trailers where we can l unload and set up church very quickly. It's got kids ministry stuff, sound equipment, lighting, all of these things. So that's, that's all happening. Um, a third thing that's encouraging in this and something that I've been learning in these last months is we have a fantastic core group of people. We really do. Like, I, I am so thankful for the people that are coming along and being a part of this new campus. Um, so those are all really encouraging things. But what I think is important and even more encouraging than any of that is this, that there is a need in the Butakyle area for gospel preaching, gospel believing churches proclaiming the name of Jesus. And we feel called to meet that need. I think that is the most encouraging thing in this whole process and this whole journey. And so to that end, I want to encourage you as we step out of here this Sunday and, and start this new journey, I want to ask you to, that, that as we do that, we, that we wouldn't be out of sight, out of mind. That you would pray for us and that those of us going, that we, we would commit to praying for you. As you pray for us, a couple of things specifically that you can be praying for is that people would come along. I mean, really, we need that to happen so that as they come along, they can hear of Jesus and experience the change that comes through Him. And again, as you were saying earlier, that is a miracle of God's work and grace. It really is. I mean, so let's pray that God would do miraculous saving work and in all of us that God would be growing us spiritually. Um, the last thing I was going to share was a scripture um, that I feel like is poignant for this moment. And it was one that was actually read during the baptisms, and it's from Joshua. It's a sentence that, that God had to tell Joshua over and over and over again as he stepped out of the known into the unknown. And God called him to it, but that was a challenge. And the sentence was this, be strong and courageous. And this is, by the way, not just for Butakyle people, this is for all of us. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Like wherever, whether that's South Austin, 
whether that's for you to Kyle, God is with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's, Amen. that's what I want to share. That's it, brother. Yeah. Yeah, take it. Thank you, brother. And praise God that he brought us an incredibly gifted leader uh, for this whole initiative. Pastor Harley, you've been a blessing. And I just can't wait to see what happens. I just, he's been faithful up to this point, and I know it's going to be incredible. Um, the last thing, and I'll try to be quick. Invest in our campus facilities for future impact. Bannockburn has facility challenges that we need to face in order to position ourselves for greater future impact for the gospel in central Texas. There's three things that can't make you as a church, but they can break you. And that's location, facilities, and finances. We don't like messing with these things, but if we don't, we can't do gospel ministry. And we certainly can't advance the gospel ministry and increase it, okay? For Bannockburn, our current issue is not location. God has given us tremendous gifts with the locations that we're looking at in Dripping Springs, South Austin, and even in Butte Kyle right now. Location is not uh, something that we're struggling with. Um, we're not necessarily struggling with finances. We're a large church, the generous church. We have lots of giving and lots of things we can fund and lots of programming that we can fund. But on all of our campuses, we have facility challenges that I believe we need to address. On Dripping Springs campus, we have a capacity issue. We have met that need with the kids and student building out there. It's finished, they're using it, and they're paying it down, and they're needing to get to a new phase where they're building a worship center and then creating a capacity for 1,000 people on that campus in Dripping Springs. They're, they're tearing that up right now. They're going at it, um, but it's going to take time. South Austin, we don't have a capacity issue. We have lots of capacity in South Austin. We have a quality issue. Some of our buildings 50 years old. Um, this South Austin campus is positioned in a place, in a location for enormous gospel impact in the future. Let me share a few of these things with you. 115,715 people live within a three-mile radius of our South Austin campus. 115,000 people. That's our mission. And they're right on our doorstep, right here, three-mile radius. Since 2000, our South Austin neighborhood, three-mile radius again, has grown at a rate of 30% per year. Do 30% into 115,000 and look at that number. It's amazing. There's huge growth here. There's huge opportunity here. This is a campus position for incredible impact. Look at this one. It is projected that our South Austin neighborhood, again, three-mile radius, will grow 10,000 people in the next five years. You say, where are the new neighborhoods going in? No, mostly apartment high-rises. It's probably going to be something like that. Or gentrification, houses being rebuilt, split lots, and all that sort of thing. That is the growth that's coming here right now. This is our opportunity. The uh, city of Austin's demographer, Ryan Robinson, said this, I think we'll bust through the 3 million mark as a city by 2030, 15 years ahead of schedule. Ahead of schedule. This is a rapidly growing city, and guys, South Austin is also going to grow rapidly. We are positioned for great opportunity. We can grow, but we have to position ourselves for that growth. 
We have to connect our community, getting involved in our community, make our presence known, be here for our community, minister to our community. We have to be on the offense. And right now, on this campus, one of the major challenges we're facing is our quality of facilities. We need to invest in our facilities here. Right now, our South Austin students meeting a building that was built in 1974. I can't say that was before I was born. That was the year I was born, actually. People didn't have to put in elevators in 1974. I'm just giving you one example. We don't have an elevator in the building. Wheelchairs, you got to carry them upstairs. Some of those type of things. Talk about fire stuff, and it's still safe over there. Please send your kids. Um, <laughs> but they need to run fast. That's it. That's it. We get it. Uh, South Austin, I'm charging you. We need to meet this challenge on this campus. We need to invest now and position this campus for the next 50 years right here. And it's going to take investment. And unfortunately, we have to invest in facilities constantly. That's what a church has to keep its eye on. But it can't make us, but it can break us. But we need to address it. Because the things that make us, we're actually really powerful in. And that's relationships, gospel, commitment to the word of God, all the things about discipleship. We're committed to those things. We have those things. It's rich here. Our facilities are a challenge we need to overcome. Um, last year, I assembled a South Austin revitalization team. They began to work of asking all kinds of questions about this campus, what needs to happen, how much do we have, working with finance team, uh, working with our trustees and everybody, what can we sell, do we have anything. They came up with all kinds of things, and they are honing in now on a plan of moving forward and investing in the most pressing needs we have on this campus. And they have put a plan together. You are about to be engaged with that campaign this fall, and we're going to all commit together to following wherever that leads and to commit to it and invest on this campus. Um, we're about to assemble a capital campaign team. You're going to be hearing more from them. You're going to be able to, you're going to be seeing um, architectural drawings about addressing the, the oldest building on this campus for our next generation ministries, our students. And in the next few weeks, they're going to begin to engage you. We're going to have a commitment service um, in a few weeks. Well, actually, we're going to have a vision uh, service right here on this campus for this campus only. A vision for what we're trying to accomplish on this campus. A few weeks later, we're going to have a commitment service in late October to commit to it. And so you're going to be hearing more about this. Um, October, we're going to commit. November and December, we're hopefully raising funds and seeing that already be kicked off to where we're going to invest in this campus. So those are the initiatives that we're seeking to accomplish right now and to seek to position ourselves for gospel impact for the future in the city. We're well on our way. And I believe, I talked to the life group leaders last week, and I share something a little bit risky. <laughs> Y'all know I don't talk like this normally. I feel like I might be categorized as charismatic a little bit when I say this, um, and I am. Come Holy Spirit, <laughs> move among us. Make it weird, that's fine, I don't care. Whatever you want, I don't care. But I, I believe, if I'm hearing the church right, and I've, I got a note from a, a person in our church that I consider almost like a prophet of the church. Like the, the person that could tell you something, you go, man, I totally hear that. I got a note, and it said that God is about to break open heaven and pour out a blessing like a flood in our church, in our city, and in our country as a whole. And 
the second I got that note, I rolled it up and I said, I just, I just want to watch it for a while. I'm going to share it with you at some point. Hopefully, it, when it all comes true, I can say, hey, look what God did. But I'm holding on to that. But then I got a word over the summer where David just became king. The Philistines march out to, to, to go after him. And God tells him, this time when you face him, go around to the back. And he says, when you hear the sound of marching in the balls and the trees, gird up yourself and go and do the mop up. Because I, I have done it for you. I've gone before you. And David named that place a, a name that means the Lord of breaking out like a flood before his people. If that resonates with you. I believe that's what God's about to do. And in gospel times, you do know God moves in these pulses. There's dry times, and everybody's kind of looking around going, you feeling it? It's dry. The well's dry. And the preaching and everything gets hard, and, God, and, and temptation is high, and the flesh gets powerful, and we get these seasons, it's pruning season, or, or whatever it might be, a testing season. Um, and I believe maybe that's like a time of receding, like, but then there's a time of flooding with the Holy Spirit. And that means like you just stand up and say a, share, share a little gospel thing and all of a sudden, bam, God moves so powerfully. I've been a part of some of moves like this, but I think all of the moves I've ever been a part of are just little bitty blips. And this one's coming. This one's coming. And it's going to affect every part of our whole country. From entertainment to government to law to medicine, you name it, it's going to move in. And God is going to move powerfully in our country. And part of me wants to say this too. And here goes my charisma stuff, okay. It's going to come up from the earth. No one's going to get credit. God's just going to start moving among his church and people, common people everywhere. And he's going to just start doing a revival. And then the preaching is going to have power um, in that time. But he's going to bring it up from the earth. It's not some person that's going to just sort of control the mains. He's going to do it. And, and he's going to do it in a way no one gets credit. One writer that I read a long time ago in a revival, a newspaper article, and he said, it appears that the whole world has gone after God. It's almost like you couldn't explain it. I long for those days. Do you? Oh, Lord, that you would move so powerfully in our land, that the gospel would be so bright in the eyes and the hearts of the people of our country, that you would break forth like a Holy Spirit tsunami. Oh, Lord, I know we've prayed often recently, Lord, where are you? Where are you? And I believe the Lord is coming and he's going to break forth and you're going to feel his power flow through his church. The gospel is going to save many people in the masses across America. He is going to transform the landscape of our whole country for many, many years to come. And we will look back on this moment as a flood. Look what God did. I don't know about you, but I have longed for that for 25 years ever since I got saved. I've been crying out to God for it. And yeah, I've seen some cool things along the way, but nothing like what I want. And I believe the Lord is showing to me I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it soon. Buckle up. So I share that with you confidently, also feeling like, y'all need to know, I don't feel like I have a corner on God and I can't tell God what to do. So I share that also in that light. But if this connects with your spirit, is God confirming to his church that he's about to do something? So I say that for that. Does this, does this connect with your spirit? Is the spirit speaking to you in that? What does the spirit say to the churches? What is the spirit saying to the church? I have no idea how or when or any of that sort of thing. I don't want to control any of that. I hope that he would just use anybody to bring that kind of move. But if he did, if he does... Will we be ready? Will we have been risking, laying it down, following him by faith, and trusting him for what he has for us? I just believe we have good days coming.
And I encourage you, South Austin, let's lean into this moment. Let's meet these challenges and let's trust God's going to use it in powerful ways in our community. And the ripple effects from us will go on forever. Forever. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, I just uh, stepped out a little bit there. And uh, I trust you. I received a word that said, preach it. Preach what I said. And trust me. And so I did it. And uh, Lord, whatever comes of that, go for it. We just want you to break out before us, Lord. We can't convince people to come to Christ. We can't walk with you in faith. We can't be courageous. We need you, Holy Spirit. Come like a flood. Rend the heavens and come down. Shower this place with your blessing, with your power, with your joy, with the peace that passes all understanding. Flood the hearts of our city with redemption, mass repentance, faith, tears over sin. Lord, be near and move in power. And Lord, use Bannockburn. We are here. We acknowledge we can do nothing apart from you. You are the one who does this work. But oh Lord, if you're going to do it, sign us up first. If it takes risk, sign us up. If it takes sacrifice, sign us up. We're in. We want to be in with whatever you're doing. And don't let us not hear it or not be a part of it. Draw us in, Lord. And do a great work in our midst. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for every bit of it. Speak to us during this song. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand with me. Let's sing together. Let's just seek the Lord as we sing.